Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith, Yellow, the executive director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. We are joined by former state representative Jeannie Ives. If you're a conservative, you know and love her. Jeannie, the left has controlled the legislature, the governor's mansion. They control the White House and Congress. Woe is me. What's our path forward? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's not start with anything simple here. No easy questions, right, Monty? Uh, Look, you know... uh, you know, take take heart, conservatives. Uh, this may be our best opportunity to actually realign people uh, and let them understand better American principles and policies that work. Especially if you're in the state of Illinois, there should be no dispute about how the Democrats' policies have failed the state. Yes, we just had the largest out migration, and you know, in in recent history, the state the of seventh Illinois. Year. Yes, the state of Illinois has. Um, we're still a bankrupt state, hoping to get you know a few billion from the federal government, which, it, by the way, is not going to help at all. It's not going to bail us out when you have four hundred and fifty billion dollars realistically in debt. And it just enables the guys that have been doing this for decades recklessly, irresponsibly spending. But if we sell more marijuana, maybe. Yeah, yes. maybe. <laughs> they, they they wanted to open up seventy-two new pot stores. That'll solve our problems, won't it? They think so, but the problems are, you know, too entrenched. They they won't be solved. They won't be solved by some new uh, speaker either. Um, right. All you're going to do is control is going to move. I think really over to the Senate, and we can talk more about that if you want to yes, about where do. the where the power structure lies now. Um, uh, uh, but the truth of it is, is that the, you, you nobody should be saying that the Democrats have done a jo- good job. They have not done a good job. And even under Obama, when he had eight years to right. pull us out of a recession that happened at the beginning of his term, he could not do it. He failed completely. Trump leaves um, in, in many people's minds as somebody who, uh, you know, the January 6th um, incident will probably be remarkable to many few folks and mark him as that president. But the truth is, is his his legacy of economic opportunity, of national security, uh, and what he's done on those fronts uh, will be a lasting legacy, in my opinion. Yeah. And he didn't get reelected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no. As far as we know. But you say the Democrats haven't done a good job. Well, maybe governmental-wise, but they do a pretty darn good job getting elected. What are we doing wrong? Well, they just come off as kind of the more compassionate party, and people are voting with their hearts instead of their heads, unfortunately. Or some people are just voting uh, based on uh, media reports that are slanted and inaccurate. And I think that we have not done a good job as Illinois Republicans, as conservatives, as neighbor to neighbor, uh, focusing on what the truth is. Now, we have another, again, we have a big opportunity, I think, going into 2021 and 2022 because of what you have seen happen locally. And so our work needs to be locally focused at this point. That's right. Especially when we start to th- think about taking back school boards. School boards are very important 
to what is happening in the culture of your community. And what percentage mm -hmm. of um, our property taxes are well, go to the local schools? Sure, if you're in the suburbs, it's 70% of your local yeah. property taxes that go to the schools. Uh, I mean, I don't know about your neck of the woods, but where I'm from, our local school board in the midst of a COVID with remote learning, fully remote learning, uh, decided to raise property taxes again. Sure. I mean, this is something we should stand against. Obviously, kids need to be back in school. We've heard that from medical professionals. We've heard it from the CDC itself. <laughs> and our, yet, our local politicians are not listening to us, our local school boards. I'm sorry, elected school board members, you are a politician, yes. <laughs> and you need to be voted out of office if you kept your school shut down. That's so right. we need to work locally to take back municipalities, to take back schools. Uh, you've got township elections coming up. You need good people that are competent, by the way. That's another thing that I've been talking to, because I do, you know, governor candidates on our side have asked me, you know, um, you know, can you help me out in 2022? And I've, I've essentially said, well, if you guys aren't talking about putting in competent governor, government, then you're not you're not meeting the uh, the needs of the people. I think in Illinois we need competent government. Yeah, yeah, we mm -hmm. do. You know, let they, me because they, they just don't run anything right. Look at the IDES mess up. Right. What does competent government look like to you? Well, it's smaller government. It's it's good at what it should be doing, which is when you you don't have massive amounts of unemployment fraud. I think we had a you know million cases of unemployment fraud. Oh yeah. This yeah. you know you don't when somebody needs something that they, they get their question answered by the right person. Uh, and we don't have any competence. We're not running anything competently. How about taking care of our developmentally disabled? We're still one of the worst in the nation to do that. That's not competency. Uh, that's not prioritizing. How about competent government actually has an, a balanced budget, not an unbalanced budget? I mean, it, it's both in big and small ways. Illinois government is in competent and it's been run by the democrats solidly for two decades and the evidence is there mm -hmm. let, let me backtrack just a second because monty you pointed out that the the democrats are really good at getting elected right and i would say it's a two-edged sword that they have number one it's the messaging they are able to get their message out to the they people. lie though they, they with, no no without a doubt <laughs> but they also vilify mm -hmm. so it, that's mm -hmm. the two edges their messaging and then the back swipe is the uh, the vilifying of Republicans, um, and it's of course not on policy; it's on our no, character. But it's also about outright lies. I mean, running um, mailers into people's mailboxes that say that your local state representative is going to take away your Medicare is a lie. So, and that's what I would say vilifies, yes. right? And the media is complicit in that, right? They, yeah, but people don't know. They don't know that Medicare is a federal benefit and that the state representative has zero control. So they lie in big, you know, first of all, it'd be a lie that the state rep was going to take it away, uh, yeah. the Republican. And second of all, it's just a lie because they can't even do anything that's about right, it. That's right. And so do we learn anything from the Trump administration? Now, I know there's pluses and minuses, but um, it, with his willingness to fight and push back against the liberals. Well, we need to learn more in this state because there's uh, there's too many— We don't uh, fight in this state. No, and there's too many, honestly, Republicans who in 2019 voted for the gas tax increase, who voted for an unbalanced budget yeah. knowing it was unbalanced, who voted for additional um, uh, fee hikes as well. I mean, yeah. we have to stand together against this. Government in Illinois is bloated. It's too big. It's too expensive. And Republicans need to unite along a set of standards and maybe three big— issues 
that we are going to guarantee the yeah. the voters that we're going to deliver on. I love your focus on local office and uh, what we call the lower magistrate offices. It's so important that Republicans mm-hmm. take over those spots where we can say, and like local mayors, village trustees, uh, whatever, can say to J.B. Pritzker, sorry, we're not shutting down any longer. We're open. Mm-hmm. No more of this nonsense. The lower magistrate can do that. The sheriff can say, I'm sorry, I'm not enforcing this anymore. And I, that, that's exactly right. And your school boards still have a lot of local Absolutely. control. It's something that, we, that is, you know, obviously it's, it's discussed on the House floor a lot in House committees about maintaining local control, maintaining local control. And oftentimes there are still unfunded mandates on. It doesn't matter. Even if you were to receive an unfunded mandate from the state, I would dare the state to come in there and say, well, you know what? Uh, you're not teaching LGBTQ curriculum, and we're going to shut your funding off. I don't think that they, the state wants to have that fight. No, and, and I think they want local control, and I think and I think that you take back a skill of school board, you can make an enormous difference in, in a child's life if you take it back. To that point, we've had school board presidents draft letters and send it to the uh, State Board of Education saying, we are not complying with your, ed- your education mandate to teach LGBTQ history period. And that's what local magistrates can do. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned three big issues. Uh, what do you mean by that? What are the three big issues you think the Illinois GOP needs to be ironclad about? We need to uh, be very aspirational about three things that we want to do. One is we want to create more jobs in the state. Yep. Two we will refuse to raise taxes and seriously put in a property tax cap. Okay? And three, we want we will run government competently. I mean, if you if you rallied around those three issues, I think that's a winning combination in the state. You talked about standing together. Democrats do that. Mm-hmm. They don't break ranks. And Republicans do. They flipped on the gas tax and, you know, look what happens yep they don't want to have the hard conversations with the lobbyists down there they also have their own constituencies let's face it they may be public sector unions that uh you know get that road contracts and private sector unions that supplement those road contracts they have their own sorts of needs for example will county has the second largest inland port and so they wanted to beef up their infrastructure and probably rightly so i'm not saying that that's not true and and then they look back and they say look the gas tax hasn't been increased for i don't know 30 years it should be modified to inflation but then what they do is they go overboard right so not only can do you have an increase in the estate gas tax you also should understand that uh counties got to also impose their own gas tax increase if they wanted to and voted on it so that's an additional tax um, and in the meantime, nobody said, why don't we just prioritize our, our state budget so that we can fund the infrastructure we need to fund? And if we took this down in a marginal way, if we didn't just double it immediately in one year, why didn't we take it up uh, s- slower if that's what we wanted to? You know, and, and I think that people could come around that if it was specifically for infrastructure. But they, they didn't do it that way. They just... What about streamlining yeah. government, too? Mm-hmm. We've got, for example, going back to schools, we've got a tremendous increase in administrative positions in our government schools throughout the state, and yet we also see a decline in student attendance. 
why are we increasing the number of administrators when our students are are less and less? Well, because the public sector teacher unions own uh, the legislators, and so they always get their way. And so you've never had school consolidation. So that let's see. Um, Florida is about 19 plus million people. Illinois is about 12 and a half million people. And Florida has, uh, you know, just over, I think, 100 uh, school districts. Illinois has eight times as many. Yeah, eight times as many. But Florida has Ron DeSantis. We have (laughs) J.D. Well, you know, but this is look. This is something that should be bipartisan in nature. That even the media, when I rolled out a school consolidation idea. Uh, during the governor's race, they were favorable towards it too. It, it just makes sense, and it doesn't mean that you know you don't have the wildcats anymore at your local elementary school to, to rally around. It simply means that the administration that is that is sitting up there that basically nobody interacts with. By the way, nobody does. They interact right. with their principal typically, or their teacher, or their school counselor. They don't really interact with the administration very rarely. Uh, th- that just gets consolidated. I mean, that makes sense. Um, and so, uh, you know, when you have 7,000 units of government in the state of <laughs> Illinois and, you know, Texas has, you know, the next largest state has only 5,000 and we're only sixth in population, something is yeah. wrong. Too much government. And, and by the way, we lost being the fifth most populous state last year to Pennsylvania. So we dropped behind Pennsylvania. Uh, by the way, Texas mm-hmm. legislature meets every other year, don't they? They don't come in every single year and introduce 10,000 new bills or 5,000 new bills. No, and your your state and they have a balanced budget, okay? <laughs> and they're lar- much larger than the st- the state of Illinois and their legislators I believe are paid $7,000 a year and the legislators in state of Illinois are at a base paid $70,000 70, a year. 000? So 10 times more for uh, uh for 10 times more in pay to Illinois state legislators for a hundred times more dysfunction. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. Well, and, and, and so used, it used to be you could say you get what you pay for, but we don't get that. No. We can get along fine without them. We found that out last year when they weren't meeting. There's a silver lining to this COVID shutdown. They didn't get to meet that often. In fact, they only met 20 days. 20, 20 days. days for $70,000 base pay. <laughs> On top of that, they get really uh, Cadillac uh, government yes. health and care. They get, they get per diem. They get um, uh, they get pensions. Uh, leadership you know, roles, leader, too. Yeah. Leadership. Uh, uh, no, just simply a committee stipend. Is, is an additional $10,500. No kidding. Just to be a committee head. And those committees, I guarantee you, I, I used to do this report every single year, and I think once I left that they stopped doing it. But it's a really important focus. I mean, there were literally years where some committees met zero times, <laughs> and that committee chair and, and, and minority spokesperson still got their $10,000 so, so stipend. So that's Madigan's way of thanking his yes. faithful that's right. foot show, soldiers. That's right. Now, speaking of Madigan. Speaking of Madigan. Well, let's take a time out oh, before okay. we speak of Mr. Madigan. So we'll do a teaser. Yeah, that's coming up. Uh, 37 years. <laughs> Still not in jail. No. Uh, <laughs> we'll continue our discussion with uh, former state representative Jeannie Ives here on Illinois Family Spotlight after this. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? 
Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Do you believe that you need an insurance company or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people that you've never met before who are gonna pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here along with David Smith, Hello. the Executive Director of Illinois Family Institute, Illinois Family Action. We are joined by none other than Jeannie Ives, a former state representative, former gubernatorial candidate, and a former congressional hero candidate. In Illinois. <laughs> so what's next for Jeannie Ives? <laughs> well, she's a current uh, hero and a current warrior. So that let's well, <laughs> you know, we have not run from the state. Amen. Uh, we're, our family is still here, located in Wheaton, and in fact, uh, you know, I, I still have three kids in and about home as one takes on graduate school in the near in the area. The other one is working on CPA exams. So. And then we have a daughter still in high school, so we are still very. And you have two very serving our, our nation in the military. Yeah, my uh, our one son is a Navy pilot, and oh. he went on deployment uh, just about a week ago. And then our other son is a plebe at West Point. So oh, plebe, yeah. I love that. So <laughs> we're we're still in the area and taking um, after yeah. mom, West Point graduate. Yeah. Huh. And dad and, and brother. That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. Salute. It's in the blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Jeannie drove here in a tank. Right? That's right. <laughs> no. Uh, before the break, uh, we talked about um, a little bit about Mike Madigan. Yeah. And he's stepped away from the House leadership. Chris Welsh. Not willingly. Uh, how bad will Chris Welsh be? Arguably worse than Mike Madigan, and I know that's hard to say that. I mean, Madigan is corrupt. He held a, a, a tight power on everything that went on down there. Chris Welch will not have, in my opinion, that type of power. But in some respects, uh, Madigan was a bit moder more moderate than you may get from uh, somebody who's a, a far-left progressive like Chris Welch. Uh, Chris Welch entered in January 2013. He was sworn in for the first time in the same class, freshman class, that I was sworn into. I served with him for six years. I will say this. He was, he's probably one of the last people that I would have reached across the aisle to really try and get him to agree to legislation because simply – um, I just felt like he was very, very partisan down there. Uh, he comes out of sort of the Maywood area, River Forest area. Westchester. Westchester area. Yeah. So a really kind of a mixed community, both poor and wealthy. Well, part partisan or just taking marching orders? No, he himself, I think, is very partisan. And then, then on, you know, and when he, he was obviously a roll call vote for Mike Madigan, whatever Mike Madigan wanted, he wanted. But, but, the, but, the, but you, when you feel, you feel the partisanship in the speeches that they give, because Madigan's not directing mm. what type of speech you give. Yeah, yeah. But when it came to the ERA bill, I mean, this is this is uh, Chris Welch just railing about how equal rights for women, and his history of abuse and harassment oh. towards women is documented. And it's ironic that a progressive 
Kelly Cassidy is demanding an investigation into his background. So she's hanging on to that M- Me Too hashtag, right? Well, good for her. You know, you no, know I find it, I find I find her to be at least an honest person down she's there when it comes to leftist. that. <laughs> she's an honest leftist. She is leftist, but yeah. she's honest about it. I mean. Uh, she's one of the women who, you know, literally was cheering uh, the the abortion yes. bill Senate that bill passed. Senate Bill 25, yeah. I mean, cheering for abortion, like, yay. She, I mean, remember she wore the right. necklace with the coat hanger on it uh, at a press conference? Uh, pretty, pretty disgusting. Yeah. So, I mean, she's that type of leftist, but she, she will honestly tell you how, how, how she feels, I guess. Okay, so Chris so. Walsh, will he be puppet master Madigan, be behind uh, the curtain uh, pulling strings. So I, I, my original opinion was this was that Madigan was going to retain power because I just saw him that way, and he has just finished uh, being inaugurated. He, he has just finished 50 literally years. fifty years in wow. office. His he first took office in January of twenty uh, nineteen seventy one. Yeah. So it's fifty years. He likes nice round numbers. He doesn't. <laughs> he would not. I don't. I think. In I think um, after the maps get redrawn. The, um, because we have the new census coming up. I think after that work is done, I think that he probably resigns. I don't see him uh, sitting on the House floor like a, a regular legislator or participating in, for example, the Cities and Villages Committee. I mean, he's not going to do that. He, while he's attended committee <laughs> hearings before, and I've, I've seen him do that, I just don't see him doing that long term. Uh, not with him being in power. So I think what happens is the power devolves less from the House. The House was where all the power was, that all the power has rested in Mike Madigan and in that House since he has been Speaker. I think it now devolves to um, the Senate, Mm. to Don Harmon, um, and I think that he'll help set more of the legislative uh, agenda, and um, I think Chris Welch is just going to be this figurehead. That said, I think that he owes his the Black Caucus much because uh, they're the ones who yeah. who were who had voted on as a caucus voted that they were going to go with Mike Madigan, and then got the Hispanic Caucus to say we're with Mike Madigan, and then when push came to shove and Madigan couldn't get the votes and they needed to get something done, the Black Caucus offered up Chris Welch. And so he owes his speakership to them, and he, he's going to have to perform for them now. So is Don Harmon an Irish Catholic? You know what? I don't know, but he's, he, I, just, you just know, he's not a traditional <laughs> Catholic. I can tell you that. In, no, no, I know. In, he's in, a in liberal. Accordance, in accordance with his But votes, I'm just saying not. Madigan was, you know, for years. And Yeah, Don Harmon, he's just, you know, he's got a, a, a caucus in there that is uh, even has more of a super major, majority right. than the House does. He's uh, a wheeler dealer. He's not as seen as partisan as somebody like Chris Welch is. I think the governor and his staff um, will weigh in on policy as well. But the governor is just a figurehead. He, I don't think that he really gets it. What do you think it. of the leadership of Durkin and McConkie? Now, mm-hmm. Senator Dan, or Dan, Dan, sorry, Senator Bill Brady stepped down as minority leader in the Senate, and uh, Dan McConkie has stepped up and was elected. So what do you think of that situation? Is um, Bill getting ready to run for something again, Bill Brady? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, he... he tell us what he, you really yeah, think. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. So do you tell me what you think 
Will Dan McConkie and, and Jim Durkin, and I know you have lots of problems with Durkin. Well, I have problems with him over votes. I yeah. mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's all over votes. Look, I, I've seen him capitulate to, the, to, to Madigan and his agenda too many times. The 20, I mean, yeah. playing footsie with Governor Pritzker in his first year, thinking that he's going to do something right for the state of Illinois and passing that massive gas tax, walking to your caucus and saying, I need 20 votes on the gas tax hike, I need 10 votes on the unbalanced budget. I mean, how do you do that? No, you just say no. There's no, been, never been an opposition party like there needs to be an opposition party and it's never more critical than now yeah i thought we would have had great strides uh in in 2020 to win elections and and crystallize all this problems in people the voters minds we didn't because we ran really poor elections we didn't run as a group we had no uh, vote by mail effort out we had no organization uh, largely speaking in, in terms of the ilgop that's right, that's right. And, and and we and we lost uh so uh, you would think we actually 2022. lost a seat in yeah. the Illinois Senate, and we gained one seat in the Illinois House. So, with a pro-lifer, sad, very yeah, sad. It's really sad. Let's transition over to Tim Schneider then, real quick. Mm-hmm. He is stepping down as Illinois Republican Party chairman, and there's going to be a battle, maybe uh, you know, among a number of different people who are going to run for that. Um, who do you think? I mean, other than my, and my own nominee would be Jeannie Ives, but but um, <laughs> you're not interested in that. So um, we need a strong voice that is, uh, you know, across the platform, solid, and who's willing to fight and push back. One thing I can say about Tim Schneider is at least he issued press releases on some of the issues that were, you know, front and center. So at least they started to have a voice. We need some something drastically different wouldn't you agree well we 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 do we need uh, my personal feeling is it needs to be somebody sort of centered in the suburbs because it's the suburbs that we need to fight and win back uh the for the republicans in downstate illinois which really is you know uh, outside of um i would say you know interstate 80 and just yeah. past, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Aurora. Names, you know, names come to mind, Jeannie. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to name names. I'll, I'll give you qualities, though. I mean, it, I think go, it needs to be somebody go. in the suburbs who understands the suburbs. I think it needs to be somebody who is who knows policy because we're always expected to know our policy and knows it in enough details to put out believable. Um, information when they are con- when they are talked to by the media, you can't be surface. You if you have to, the, people are moved by facts. So we need somebody who has a long history of policy experience in in Illinois. We have need somebody who is media savvy. Okay, who who is willing to take on the media, who is willing to push back against media politely and say that's actually not accurate. Here's the deal instead. We don't never had somebody who will do that. We need somebody who is respected by the the you know the large donor class so that we can gather the resources necessary to win campaigns in the future and the effort needs to not be on any particular republican candidate at this point it needs to be about organizing and structuring the illinois gop to fight back in the state for for taxpayers and so and and also somebody who's really part of the business community would be great had a lot of good so that's 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 my criteria i don't care if it's a guy i don't care what race they are i don't care anything i don't care about what religion they are no matter just somebody who kind of has that type of profile. And I think that's difficult to find, especially somebody with a long policy history. But I think that that is crucial because if you don't connect dots about what's happened in the state of Illinois over the last 20 years, if you can't do that effectively, you're not gonna be effective. No, and Chicago has a lot of media, downstate has a lot of media, political pundits um, that want to interview Mm -hmm. and and, and, and invite you there. So yeah, we can get our message out. The Democrats stand together 
our Republicans tend not to at times. And I, I guess this brings me back to Don Harmon. Will he have... Don Harmon, $42 billion Don Harmon? Wow. Oh my we should talk about that. Yeah. What? Let, let's talk about that. It, <laughs> will he have the campaign cash? Is that family money? No, 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 no. That's I'm referring to something else, but I'll explain oh, it in okay. a minute. Does he have the campaign cash to dole out like Madigan did? Well, let's let's realize what Madigan hasn't done. He has not released control of the Democrat um, Party in the state of Illinois. He still controls the party. He still controls the cash. So he still controls elections going forward. <laughs> he just doesn't want to sit in the in you know the chief seats in the House and and and, 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 and you know uh, and all of that. So I mean he's st- he's still going to be a player. The Democrats still control everything in the state. Uh, Pritzker's still the heavy guy when it comes to billions of dollars. But the Dedarm Harmon I'm talking about is the man who had the had the just the audacity audacity that's right i was yeah i was gonna say something else had the audacity <laughs> we're the all here intellectual no what is it the, the um oh, internal fortitude the or something chutzpah. Like that? the chutzpah, the chutzpah. actually <laughs> in the wake of the covid crisis when they're divvying out money at the federal government askly actually penned a letter asking for 42 billion dollars from federal taxpayers to help bail out the state of illinois when his own caucus in May, when they passed their budget, passed a budget that was 6% greater than the budget before, <laughs> even though they knew the revenues would be declining because of COVID, they had the, the, the audacity to ask for $42 billion from the federal government. Now they're hoping, with Biden and, and the, yeah. the Senate, control of the Senate and the House, they're hoping that they get some of that money back. Yeah. I mean, this is who Don Harmon is. He's looking for somebody else to, to, to basically bail out the bad decisions he's made year after year after year. Don Harmon has been making bad decisions. Yeah. Same thing with Chris Welch. None of these guys are, are, are reformers. You will get no reform. Don't even expect reform. You have got to push back against all of this. And I, my, one of my goals is actually to make sure across the nation that these other Democrat congressional uh, folks, uh, they're, that their voters know, if you bail out Illinois, we're taking you out of office. Mm. If Democrats in Tennessee or Pennsylvania or Hawaii, if yep. they bail out Illinois, Texas, yep. shame on them. Good point. Wow. Speaking of bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, we have a governor who continues to extend his emergency power mandate to lock us down. What kind of, what, what's been the effect of this unchecked, um, reign of terror, if you will. Well, you've seen the effect, right? Yeah. You've a, ma- a massive closure of businesses, yep. uh, really no change uh, for the better in case positivities or um, or death rates, really. I mean, the reason the death rate declines because the medical community got smarter about it. Yep. I mean, there's nothing different right. there. I That's mean, right. this is a virus that the, the little, you know, cloth mask that I've been wearing uh, probably for five weeks in and out of the <laughs> grocery store for 15 minutes, which is the only time that I wear it other than I mean, at mass um, I mean I mean that that's not doing anything it, it's not doing anything we've got to get over this we've got to get schools open we got to get our businesses back open and uh, you know this is actually another reason why the federal taxpayers should not bail out the state of Illinois we refuse to open up that's right and 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 you know you've got New Yorkers going down to Florida to get the vaccine I'm sure that there's yeah. Illinoisans going down to Florida to get the vaccine too because yeah. DeSantis knows how to do things in fact our own governor went to Florida with his family right so I mean that's These right. people are the biggest hypocrites out there. 
And I don't know why anybody's listening to Pritzker. But let's, let's talk about the legislature's role in checking this <laughs> out of rain power. You know, you said they were they were in for 20 days last year. Did they bring up the the governor's um, mandate? I mean, he had 30 days, 30 days, and yet he extended it how many times? No, they they so don't. So he gets the say. Well, they they but they don't want to. They don't want the say. It's not the legislature. The, the, the legislature doesn't want. They don't want to hear from their their business folks. They they just want to push it off to somebody else. And and they can if they can push out to Pritzker, they will as long as. And now, now the really shameful thing is that finally you have people like Fred Crespo. I heard he's a suburban Democrat legislator. Mansion. Yep. Yep. Basically, it's now saying, well, you know, maybe we need to legislate about the the reopening of Illinois and and uh, take back some control really really it's been almost a year now yep. fred and you're just finally doing it is oh, is it because maybe the biden regime is coming in Lori lightfoot that you now want to open up chicago is this all yep. to create some additional economic activity for them to show success um i mean i just i'm so cynical about it because y- you should be cynical about it there are other states Absolutely. that have been completely wide open um operating safely with you know very limited restrictions yeah yep and and, you know it's interesting that you can get on an airplane elbow to elbow Mm -hmm. take your mask off and eat next to somebody but you have to go into a restaurant and you're limited to 25 percent six feet apart you know it's uh, the inconsistencies you got to limit your church services which is ridiculous Mm -hmm. you know um and listen i'm all about safeguarding the elderly and the vulnerable but but the rest of us I've had it. I've had COVID. Got over it. You know, um, it's a 99% recovery rate. So, do, yeah. Do, well. you, do you see something sinister in some of these shutdowns, like of churches and, uh, you know, uh, bars and stuff where people meet and talk and they might not uh, talk about conservative or uh, liberal things, you know? The, you know, they understand that. Um, if you can control the culture, then you can control the people. And and part, where do you get culture from? Some of that comes from church. And I I, I tell you what, it's it's hard to get my kids back in the groove of going back to mass after they were completely shut down. It's like, it's hard to do that. It, right. it really is. It's not easy to right. fight your teenagers sometime to do that. Yep. Uh, and and they they know that you've. Um, I, I think I was reading the statistics the other day. Something like. Um, uh, church attendance is now at about seven percent. Oh my gosh! And uh, it, for 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 mass and uh, across Catholic churches, and then in uh, Chicago land or the uh, United this is States? kind of yeah, kind of the United States numbers. And then um, for Christmas, you know, usually you get a bump up, sure. but um, and it used to be prior to that it was about twenty percent. It wasn't really good, but uh, for average uh, weekly attendance, and now for Christmas, which you usually have like a, a big overwhelming amount of people, that was only at twenty percent which is the average that you were getting uh, just before COVID, and now it's at 7%. I mean, this is this is not good. It's it's a habitual thing to go to church, and, yep. and people know that, and you get out of that habit, and then you're like, eh, well, I guess it's not that important. Uh, so that religious education has fallen away. It just it's, it's not good. It's very, very bad. Oh, Dave, don't you wish we had more time with former state representative Jeannie Ives? Well, then let's record a part two to this. Shall we? Let's do it. We shall. Jeannie, before we do leave, how can people connect with Jeannie Ives? 
Well, I am still on social media. Uh, Facebook is what I typically use. Although Until you're I am, shut off. Yes. I, I have not been shut off ever, honestly, uh, surprisingly. Um, but um, I am going to be moving to all the other platforms as well. But I'll keep, I'll keep on Facebook because it's a great way to connect with people who, yep. you, who you need to convince. So you're so. on Facebook, MeWe, mm-hmm. Gab, yep. Parler. Uh, Gab, Parler, yep, all those. Okay. Um, Gab's a new one, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Gab is, is new, and it's a Christian conservative, and oh. uh, he's he's ready to fight for freedom of speech. The first I like his platform, too. I've yeah. been working with it. It's just hard to find all your friends and get them That's it. associated. Yeah, it's hard to rebuild. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and Jeannie's going to continue to be very active in the DuPage County area, and who knows from there uh, right. what we'll see. We, we can only hope, Dave. Amen. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of Illinois Family Spotlight. Do tell a friend or a family member about Illinois Family Spotlight. Get the word out and support the work of Illinois Family Institute if you are so inclined. Right, Dave? Amen. Take care. God bless. Stay active and stay healthy and all the best. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.